Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 21, and then also verses 31 through 34. This is the Lord's word. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerus, that is, the son of thunder, Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Verse 31 through 35. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Why don't we say hello to each other one more time? Just look around and say hello. And I know we have parents in the back there as well. We say hello to the parents of little ones in the back as well. What a joy, brothers and sisters, to be able to, be able to gather together on a Sunday morning to worship. Monday through Saturday, perhaps, was very difficult for you. As students, people at work, perhaps you had a crisis in your family. Perhaps you had a good week. I do not know. But Monday through Saturday, you labored, did you not, to follow the Lord, to apply the good news of the gospel in your life. Some of you had a hard time. You heard the calling of the Lord in your heart, but it was hard to obey. It was difficult to obey. But you're here this Sunday morning, why? Because even through the difficulties of your battle with the Lord or the joys that he's given you, we can come here together and remind each other, Jesus loves us in our sins. That his forgiveness is always available to us. that the fact that you are growing in your knowledge of your heart and his grace, even in times of disobedience, you see that God has a hold of you and you belong to him 
That is why you're here. You belong to him. And not only do you belong to him, but you belong to one another as well. It is why every morning I say, always look to the left, always look to the right, say hello, greet one another, be as awkward as you need to be, it's okay. Because we're all here for the same reason. To meet our God, to encounter our God who has loved us. As we proceed in this sermon series on encountering Christ, we see that Jesus is getting into the thick of his ministry. Remember, he's calling disciples left and right to him, those who could help him in the gospel ministry. He is casting out demons left and right, spirits who are calling out and saying, you are the son of God, and Jesus saying unto them, be quiet. It is not yet time for me to reveal myself. He's healing the sick left and right, the paralyzed left and right, and people are flocking to him. This miracle worker, this healer of souls, this person who preaches and teaches in such a way that he speaks as if he was God himself. Everyone's curiosity is piqued. Could this be the one that John the Baptist foretold? The one whose shoes that I am unworthy to tie. The one who will not baptize in water, but baptize with the Holy Spirit. The one who will bring renewal to Israel. And the one who will save the Gentiles as well. A feeling of hope is palpable to the people in Jerusalem. And this same hope that is palpable to you, we will see that God himself has blessed us and given to us, to those of you who believe in Christ. And then when Christ is continuing to work, we ourselves simply obey and walk and say, Jesus, God, whatever it is that you're constructing, Whatever it is that you are doing, I'm there. I will follow as best as I can. I will follow according to your spirit. And I will know that you will lead me, not in easy ways, not in comfortable ways, but in good, meaningful past that glorify you. Here in our passage today, Jesus is forming new communities. A community is a word that we hear very often in our context today. Everyone is looking for friendships. Everyone is looking for somewhere to belong. The New York Times in their editorial section, they were, they were lamenting the fact that the America is becoming less religious. And you might say, why, why would New York Times talk about that? Well, they talk about that because people are having a hard time finding community. And church, whether it was something that was Christ-centered or something that was other-centered, 
these places where people would gather together, at least they could be awkward together, get to know one another and enjoy each other's fellowship. For those of you in college, our older people here, our post-college people, I won't say older, our post-college people here will tell you that college is probably the last time that you will have such close, meaningful relationships that are almost baked in. Then after college, it gets a little bit more difficult to find friends. Friends that you can just laugh with. Friends who just, quote unquote, get you. Jesus here is saying, I'm gonna form a new community for all of you. This is my design. This is what is best for you. This is what I, Jesus, have come up with, with the Lord in heaven, of how the church, how you can flourish in my name and flourish with one another. But you need to do something, O Israel, and you need to do something, people of God here. You need to leave your old communities in order to join my community. This was even harder for the people in this context than it is for you, although it's hard for both. But hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus in verse 13 through 21 is calling 12 apostles, 12 people to take up the work of preaching the gospel and the performing miracles. In other words, to continue to carry out the messianic work of Jesus himself, to proclaim the gospel in word and in deed. The question you have to ask yourself is, why 12? Why not 13? Why not 14? Why not just three? Why not five? Jesus is doing something very deliberate here in choosing 12 apostles. Jesus is basically saying to Israel, I am forming a new Israel, a new community, a new place of leadership, a new place where the gospel will be preached where the kingdom of God will be brought through. Remember, how many tribes were there of Israel? I mean, look at Genesis 49 and Genesis 50. There were 12. 12 tribes of Israel. These 12 tribes of Israel is where every Israelite will trace back their lineage. I am a son of Benjamin. I am a son of Judah. I'm a son of Reuben. I'm a Levite. I am a priest. I'm a Pharisee or a Sadducee. And everyone was proud of who they were and where they came from. This is who I am. This is my history. This is my community. This is my identity. Perhaps some of you have heard that from your own parents. 
you come from this dynasty, from this, this family way back when. Perhaps not so much your parents, but your grandparents will tell you. And that you need to carry on your lineage, your family name, to be proud of who you are. These Jewish people had centuries of history behind them. And Jesus is starting to undercut it by replacing the 12 tribes of Israel with the 12 apostles themselves. And basically saying to the people who come to believe in the gospel that you are now children not of the apostles, but children of the gospel that has been preached by them. You no longer belong to the house of Judah. You no longer belong to the house of Reuben. You belong to Christ and the gospel that was preached to you. This is revolutionary. This has turned everything upside down. No longer do you belong to anything in the past. But your core identity, who you are, is simply, I'm a child of the gospel. I'm the child of Jesus. I'm the child of the one who gave his life for me. I, who am a sinner, are called righteous because of my Savior's death and sacrifice unto me. I belong to him and him alone. The 12 apostles who, who, who preached the gospel, the teachings that we have in scripture today, that is who I follow. That is what I follow. I no longer count myself as Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. But we are all one in Christ. We all belong to Christ. And this is the good news that Jesus has given to all of us. In other words, you do not need any credentials at all to come to Jesus. No credentials necessary. Doesn't matter if you're Jewish in background. Doesn't matter if you're Muslim in background. Doesn't matter if you're male or female. Doesn't matter if you're Korean speaking, Chinese speaking, English speaking. Doesn't matter what your past might have been. All are welcome in the gospel of Christ. Brothers and sisters, embrace your identity of who you are, what God has given you. Don't worry about who you are on the outside. Don't worry too much even about the, the wonderful providential nature in which you were created. Just sit and wonder in wonderment of God's perfect love for you. 
Now, as we continue in this passage, we see Jesus giving us the privilege of watching his interaction with his family, his mother and his brothers. We see him sort of comment on his relationship with them, at least at this time. The mother and the brothers are, are worried about Jesus. This guy's not in his right mind. Think about that. Here's mother, sorry, here's Mary, right? The mother of Jesus, who the angel appeared to, who knew that in, in her womb was going to be the Messiah. Who saw his son, you know, when he was, he was missing in Jerusalem when he was a young child, in the temple, reading from the scroll of Isaiah, teaching the rabbis, even at such a young age. And she was fearful. He's not in his right mind. They were looking for him. They were hoping to protect him, perhaps. And Jesus looked at them and looked at his disciples. And he said unto them, Who are my mother? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? In other words, who's my family? Now remember, at the end of the Gospel of John, when Jesus is on the cross, Jesus looks at his mother and says, John, take care of my mom. Jesus loved his mom. Remember, Jesus' brothers were, became disciples as well and, and, and did wonderful things for the gospel. But Jesus' definition of family still changed. He said, anyone who does the will of the Father is now my mother and my brothers. This is a new community that God has given us. This is the blessing that Jesus has restored unto his people. No longer are relationships based on blood. Don't go around going, oh, you're son of Reuben? I'm a son of Simeon. Hey, let's get together. We're from the same, you know, same nation. But now Jesus says, anyone who believes in me does the will of the Father. Anyone who knows Jesus Anyone who knows me, he is my brother. She is my sister. She is my mother. He is my, we are a family together. God has, Jesus has told some people that there are times where you have to leave your mother and your father who do not know the Lord in order to follow him. And you know, those people are the ones who are greatly to be blessed. We know in Matthew, Jesus says, 
those of you who had to leave their mothers and their fathers and their, uh, and their brothers and their sisters for my sake, you will be re rewarded a hundredfold here and eternal life as well. It's a promise for those of you here who, who are wrestling, perhaps because your mom or your dad don't know who the Lord is and you're praying in earnest to them. Perhaps they're not even on board with your faith as well. You are blessed. God has provided you a family here at church, a hundredfold of brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers who will walk with you. For all of us here as God's people, there's, there's two things that I want to impress upon you about this family. One, a church itself and its members must act like brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers in Christ. Here at CCPC, our goal is not to be the biggest church in the world. Our goal is not simply to have lots of believers. Our goal is to be the church that God intended, that Paul talks about in Ephesus, sharpening one another, rebuking each other, loving one another, eating meals together, wrestling with the gospel because we know one another. And so here at this church, if you are a member or if you aspire to be a member here at this church, know that we will act like family. We will bicker. We will fight. But we will also love and rejoice because we're all striving for the same thing, to make the gospel known in our lives, to bring hope of Jesus in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. When I look around this room here today, I would say that almost all of us don't know what a family looks like. Many of you here are from an immigrant generation. And the way that families are formed in an immigrant generation, your, your parents coming here working really hard and you mostly just going to school and sort of raising yourself in many ways. The expectations of family from your parents over against the expectation of of, of parentalhood here in the States. Or perhaps you just come from a broken family itself and you don't know what it looks like. You know, oftentimes you'll hear me say like, hey, you need to be a brother to this sister or hey, you need to be a sister to that brother. And you'll be like, I don't know what that means. I've never been a good brother or I never had a good sister. It's okay. Our duty before the Lord is let's work it out. Let's learn to be brothers and sisters. Let's learn to be fathers and mothers to one another. Let us learn to be the family of God that he intended us to be. And so our duty as God's people is to be a family. Never give up on one another. 
to be kind and gentle, to not exacerbate one another, but to enjoy what God is doing. Secondly, this is by God's design. For those of you who are saved, your desire is for the family of God, period. If you know Christ himself, your desire will be for Jesus, and your desire will also be for the community of God's people. It has to be. I think I shared with this you a couple weeks ago, but let me share this with you again. When I was in college, I longed for Christian friends. I sort of became a Christian or really had this moment of knowing that Christ was mine and I belonged to him, maybe my, my junior year in high school. And from my junior year in high school until my sophomore year in college, I prayed to the Lord for Christian friends. Now, there was no internet back then. Well, there was internet, but it was, it was just for research. But there, there was no way to meet people. There was no Facebook. We, had, we actually had real pictures that you looked through and stuff like that. That was our Facebook. Um, but I remember for about three years just praying to the Lord, give me community. And during those three years, God gave me wonderful, wonderful friends who did not know the Lord. They were wonderful. And we would talk about dating. We would talk about our future. We would talk about all the things that normal people talked about. But then during my sophomore year, God finally gave me a community, found me a church. And as I gravitated there, and as I grew there, all of a sudden, the way that I communed with my non-believing friends and my believing friends became very different. When my heart was in trouble, no longer did I go to my unbelieving friends for comfort. I went to my believing friends. And they would just pray for me. We would just say to each other, God knows what he's doing. In my relationship, my unbelieving friends changed. I still loved them. Still went to concerts together, still ate meals together, still did all those good things together. But no longer were they, was their counsel changing me. But I was changing them. Trying to be salt and light. Loving them with the gospel as much as I could. We as parents, we do the same thing. What, what do we want as parents? We want our children to grow up with other families who know the Lord. And together to grow in Christ. You see, our desire for this new community that God is building us, it's not something that's ancillary or something that's added on but it's essential to who we are as God's people. We long to know God, to know one another, to be loved by one another in Christ. This is what God is building. This is what God intends for all of us. 
My charge for you is very simple, brothers and sisters. The first is to know that Jesus himself died for you and has given you life. To know that he has worked a miracle in your heart and given you the ability to say yes to him, to yes to righteousness. To know that you belong to him in one-on-one. You can talk with the the Lord of the universe anytime and he will hear you. That you can read his word and hear his very voice as well. But number two, know that God has given you a church. A people unlike yourself, but who knows Jesus. Be bold in getting to know one another. Be bold in loving one another. You know, in our time of age today, we are scared of conversation. We are scared to share. We're scared of being hurt. Now, I wish there was the easy solution, but at least something very simple as this. Find someone who you sort of click with, your your friend, perhaps someone who knows Jesus. You're like, hey, I know Jesus. You know Jesus too. Yeah, we're going to church together. Hi, it'll be awkward, you know. But there might come a time where Jesus, where, where God is able to open things up to you and you can say to that person, hey, um, this, this is one of those DTR moments, right? Defining the relationship moments. But it's like, hey, um, can you be my friend? And I mean that. It's like, hey, I need someone to help me walk with the Lord. Can you help me? And believe me, you might think that's the most awkward thing you've ever done. I did that my sophomore year so many times. <laughs> I said, hey, because uh, I, I was desperate. I was like, these, these, I had these two freshman guys. I was like, uh, after like a semester to get, I was like, hey, um, can, we, can we actually be real friends? Not just sort of fake it, but, or, you know, we're just trying to, figure it out as it goes. It's like, hey, let's, can we be friends? And I remember since that day on in college, we prayed almost every morning together. I can't say every morning, but in the morning we would eat breakfast and pray together, just five minutes. Sundays we would go to church together. And then when we come back from church, we read C.S. Lewis together for a half hour. We read the book, and we just talked about 20 minutes together. And then we would go to lunch, because lunch opened at like, I can't remember what time. We'd just go to lunch. After we ate lunch together, our Sabbath was over. We'd go to the library, and we start studying. But be intentional. Be the church that God has already called you to be. You do not need to plan anything. You do not need to build the foundations. You do not need to to build the pillars. It's already there. All you need to do is walk through and say, hey, let's just be the church. And God will let you be the church. Praise be to God. We are not alone, brothers, sisters in Christ. Let's pray.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy in all things. There is no one like you, and we lift up our hearts and our hands to you. Lord, just thank you, Lord, for our church, Christ's covenant, Presbyterian Church. We thank you for all our visitors and all the churches that are represented here as well. Each church is unique in the way that it has been formed. Each church is unique in its character. But at the core of each of our churches is the gospel, is Jesus crucified and Jesus risen. We ask, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord, to build your church, not by building it per se, but to build your church simply by obeying and following and enjoying what you've already built before us, Lord God. So, Lord, we know that we don't have to build our own lives in terms of our salvation. And neither do we have to, Lord, make elaborate plans to build this fellowship of the body of Christ. All we need to do is to repent and believe and to love one another, Lord God, with awkwardness at times, with honesty, vulnerability, so that the Spirit of Christ may reign in us. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.